Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Transport Workers Union Air Division Podcast. My name is Brian Parker and I'm the Strategic Action Coordinator for TWU Local 513 and I'll be the host for today's show. Joining me today is Gary Peterson. Gary is a TW International Vice President and he's also the Union's Air Division Coordinator. Welcome to the show, Gary. Thanks for having me on. So today's the intro into the Air Division podcast, uh, this being the first one. And it's also going to be an intro, uh, or, or better yet, an, an explanation as to what the Air Division actually is and how it works with the locals. So to get us started, uh, Gary, can you tell us a little bit about you and your role as a VP and as the Air Division Coordinator? Yeah, so um, my role under Mike Mays, who's the director of the Air Division, um, is to make sure that everything within our group is coordinated amongst the staff uh, internally as well as with the locals and then rolling it back up to the IAC and the leadership of the organization. Be a little bit more specific about, you know, exactly uh, how the Air Division works with the locals in, in that. Well, there's about 30 locals uh, inside of the Air Division, and inside of that, obviously, we have multiple crafts or classes that um, that we work with. Pretty diverse group from flight attendants to uh, dispatchers, instructors, maintenance technicians, um, material logistics specialists, fleet service workers. And then we you know, move outside of just the airline workers to folks that handle cargo and, and services type of uh, businesses, cargo fueling, those types of things. And a unique part of the Air Division is we also have a government services uh, side to it, which handles a lot of uh, military uh, contracts. So military bases like Fort Lee, Fort Gordon, Kings Bay Submarine Base, and as well, NASA. Okay, that sounds good. So uh, has the division grown much? Yeah, there's been a lot of growth since uh, the new leadership has, uh, team has taken over. That's That's been one of uh, John Samuelson, our international president's objectives. John's really worked to try and bring um, the locals and the international back together. And, and fo- that focuses around the membership. And I think as we move forward, what the members see by the work we're doing is, is more members want to join the TWU. Okay, that's good. So we're bringing more into the Air Division and more into the international as well, correct? Yeah, and again, you know, and it just to give some examples of that, I mean, JetBlue was a huge organizing campaign for the flight attendants that we won shortly after this leadership team took over. And that came on the heels of an Allegiant contract that had been many years in work, but nobody was actually able to close it out. Shortly after the last convention, coming out of that convention, the key objective for Allegiant was to get that contract done, and, and we were able to close that out within six months. And that group seems to be very happy with what we were able to achieve. And from what I've noticed, it seems to be there's a huge shift in how the internationals are working with and uh, supporting the locals. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, I I think for a while there, the organization itself had gotten away from uh, really what the structure is, and that's local autonomy and local membership kind of driving um, what we need to have done. You know, local the, the TW is unique in the way that 70% of the dues goes to the local, 30% of the dues goes to the international, where most organizations, it's the opposite way with some up to 80, 90% going to the international and a much smaller portion going to the local. So we run our business from the, the locals up to the leadership. And what we had to do was really get folks involved and understood what the original vision of the union was, how it would operate and pull back from some of the 
overarching, I guess what I would say is leadership driven initiatives versus member driven initiatives. And that's what we're working towards now is getting the locals back um, or giving them back their ability to do the things they need to do um, with us being support for the, you know, for the locals, providing them any of the ancillary support they need. Sounds good. So can you talk about some of the things that's happening in the air division right now? Um, right, well, right now, you know, we have our day-to-day issues and those are, you know, contractual issues and, and a lot of just this right here, trying to get into um, some of the advanced technology that's happening in the world today. Podcasts have become a, a great thing, a great way to reach out. And, and I, my personal belief is we're behind the curve on getting there, but we're there now. Um, moving forward, we'll continue to adopt and and um, and create new ways to communicate with the membership. Um, we also have to look back at how things were done in the past and make sure we continue to uh, you know stay in touch with our members um, the way they've traditionally know, known, and that's through one membership meetings. Those are still an important core aspect of what we do, although it's hard to get um, some of the members there like we used to do in, in historic, so to speak, from a historic sense. But we, we're doing that, and and so we're trying to tie all those things together. And then, I mean, what's happening within the division is just from a work aspect, we have probably about a dozen amendable contracts in work right now um, with different companies that, you know, the staff and I are working on, uh, as well as what I talked about earlier, the JetBlue flight attendants are in negotiations for their first agreement, as well as our spirit agents, uh, the gate agents there that we're working with. So what's coming soon? I mean, is there any new negotiations coming? Any new groups that we're trying to organize? What's coming to the Air Division? Yeah, so, um, well, there's always something new coming on the horizon. Either contracts are amendable, um, and in some cases we do NLRB contracts, which are, they expire and, and they have timely issues as well. But um, just a week or so ago, we, we actually um, were able to win an election over at Coletta Air Cargo, with their dispatch group. It's a smaller group, but nonetheless an important group. We, we really are trying to listen to um, different different memberships or different groups of workers out there as they come to us and tell us why they believe TW should represent them. And, and ironically, um, each week we get calls about from workers or different companies about us representing them, or if, if we don't feel uh, they're a fit for the organization and how we're structured, um, we kind of guide them on where to go and work with other organizations to make sure they fit well in, within the, the union groups. So one of the things you hear from the shop floor is uh, it's all about the dues. The union doesn't care about the member. Uh, speak to that. Speak to the dues again, the dues structure, and, and dispel that rumor that it's all about the dues, if you will. Well, yeah, I mean, any organization or any, any business has to have funds to operate. That's just logic. But from TW, the way they're structured is is the locals get 70% of the dues and the international gets 30%. So when you look at it and we get a lot of requests from locals on doing campaigns and things of that nature, we always support the locals. But the locals, their biggest asset is their membership and and as far as, you know, financing that we, we do participate in that, but we, we can't fund fully fund all these campaigns or individually fund those campaigns. We're just not structured that way. Contrary to that, though, what, what that creates is the local having skin in the game, the members having skin in the game. They drive that campaign the way they want it to go. And what we do is try to provide them all the, the resources they need to be successful in the campaign versus some of the or, other organizations. And again, it's just a different structure top-down organizations, they, um, 
they have to go to their leadership and talk to them about what they want. And then the leadership decides whether or not that, that makes sense to them. And again, I don't want to get into other business, you know, other union, uh, their business. But what I can tell you from our um, campaigns has been that we'll fully support and we'll embed ourselves into a campaign where the membership's engaged, the locals engaged, local leaders are engaged in that campaign and create a, a what we would say is a campaign that to win. I mean, that's that's our ultimate goal is to win the best contract for the membership we represent. How important is it for the members to be involved in a campaign? I mean, I know that a campaign is is uh, organized by the leadership. <clears throat> Obviously, le- leadership's very involved, but what can the average member do to support a campaign and how important is that? Yeah, so uh, you always have to have um, member action. And, and when you do that, if, if it's not coming from the members themselves, you're going to struggle. I, I truly believe that. And, and the reason I say that is because we'll just use an American example. At American, it's their contract. That's what the fight's over. So those members have skin in the game. Um, and we've had great success on the American property. We can do that in other locations. And we do. I shouldn't say we can. We do that in other locals uh, throughout the country all the time. Um, but it's really getting together with the local leaders and, de- and designing what the campaign is going to look like. You, you have to do that early. You have to you know, really plan strategy and tactic and know where you want to go with the campaign, not just today, but into the future, because these things do last months and even into years sometimes. Yeah, you mentioned planning. I know uh, from my perspective and some of the things that I do, starting early and uh, having a comprehensive plan is key. And again, it all goes down to, at the end of the day, it's only going to be as successful as the membership. Is there anything that we hadn't touched on that I haven't touched on that you'd like to bring up about the Air Division? Well, let me let me comment on what you just said. You know, no, no buildings um, well-built without a strong foundation. The membership's the foundation of everything we do. And I think that going back to the way things have been done over the last several years and to where we're today and where we're looking to go in the future, the, the core of this organization is the membership. And I know that, you know, we've got to change some of the history or we can't change the history, but at least we've got to try and, and get our, our members to understand or at least see that we are trying to do things different. We're willing to do things different. And our commitment is to do things different. But without them, the successes are very difficult. We can, you know, throw a lot of ideas on the wall and, and come up with things that may or may not work. But without that member action, it's really difficult for a corporation or a company to see um, that it matters to the person down on the shop floor. And, and going back to myself as a mechanic, it's critical that our groups understand that every fight we're in is about us, not just you know an organization. It's, it's organic in the sense that those members on the floor, this is their livelihood. Um, you know, the companies, either management in a particular cases, you know, they're, they're taking away your livelihood. They're taking away your ability to send your kids to a good school or even college or, you know, have a retirement or get to retirement or, or those types of things. And the only way this works is if we fight collectively. That's what unions are about. That's what we've been about for a long time. And, you know, from an internal perspective, um, we see that that tide changing from from just a few years ago going forward. We have great, re, you know, we've had great outreach from the membership on the campaigns that we've done. But what we need to do is continue to push until we push through to the other side of that contract and get exactly what we want out of it. What are some of the aspects of campaigns? So I know you're talking about uh, organizational campaign to try and bring new 
people into the union. Uh, you're talking about contract campaigns. Uh, what are some of the key components to campaigns? Um, you know, what, what props up these campaigns? Obviously, communication being one. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, you have to have, again, the local leadership has to be involved from the beginning, and they, and they have to be embedded. They don't have to do all the work, so to speak, but they got to believe in what the work is that's being done, and they have to participate. They can't just push it off to uh, a committee and say, well, the committee will handle it, and I, I've seen that happen before. You, you have to participate. You have to trust in your committee, but you have to participate in understanding what they're thinking, and as the leadership, you have to give them sound advice when things are going awry or you know, commend them on the successes when things are going great. And, and we, you know, I've seen both of those come into play. Uh, the other thing is logistics. I think one of the biggest things about any of these campaigns is it's, it's easy to come up with the idea, the logistics of doing it comes into play and really laying out how you're going to get from one end to the other of a campaign. And, and, and that's really, it's, it's, it's a business model that you have to follow. I hate using terms like a business model or some of those things, but, but, the relevant fact of the matter is, is that if you just go in and try and wing it, you're not going to be successful. If you go in there with a good, solid plan um, and and work your way through that plan and along the way um, make adjustments for things that don't go exactly perfect, the outcome's great. But if you go in there and you just try to wing it and do it in a couple of days or a couple of weeks, your success level is, is not going to be um, what it needs to be to really make an impact on the other side, which is these management teams who seem to think that, you know, we're good with where we're sitting and and in these contracts today. Well, you mentioned something about the employers. That's uh, let's stay on that for a second. So when you look at the employers and you look at what's happening to, um, we won't even say union workers, let's just say middle-class American workers, what's going on with the employers and uh, why are they so successful and how are they able to, uh, divide and conquer so well these days what's going on well again they have a they have a big pool of money and then the way that i've seen them do a lot of this is is really what i would call the trinkets they throw out little things um and people like those little things they feel good about getting you know a pin or some sort of award or they create a a a trophy that says hey you know i've seen this again um where they've created internal battles, so to speak, between different organizations and who can win this award or that award. And really that competition, that battle that happens improves the bottom line for the company. And while the company's making, you know, gross amounts of money off the deal, the workers that are out there doing it to to accomplishing the work to get it done wind up getting a trophy that gets passed back and forth. You know, I'll, I'll go to a Super Bowl trophy is pretty good example, right? That's, the the trophy is a great thing. But there isn't a player on that field that ain't walking off the field with a huge payday for winning that trophy. Yet in these companies, they're passing this trophy around like it's the paycheck. And the the bottom line is that there is no paycheck. There's no reward for it. The only people that are putting money in their pocket from doing it are the employers or the management teams and their bonuses and their, you know, uh, stock incentives. And, and that's where we've got to change the way we do business and take that fight back to the employers to say, no, we're going to do what's in the contract. We're going to do what's required of us. But if you want more than that, then you're going to have to pay for it. And that's that's really why we have contracts in place. And we see workarounds going on constantly around these labor contracts that, you know, people have fought for, bled over, um, you know, over the, the history of time. And yet 
the management has been able to seduce people into believing that they like them. They're going to give them something. They're going to buy them a, you know, a, a gift certificate. They'll give them a gift certificate to go to dinner, you know, upstairs, so to speak, in a terminal or in some sort of place um, for doing a great job. Well, they may give them a $15 gift certificate, but they might have made fifty dollars or $100,000 off of what they just did. And unfortunately, it's it's psychological. We're just we're just becoming numb to this way of management doing this. And it's been a slow drip over time. It's not something they did. And it was quick. It's a very slow process that they turn the workers slowly that way. Okay, thanks for joining us today, Gary, uh, for the first of what I hope is many, many podcasts to come. Uh, What's your take on the podcast going forward? Well, the objective now is to uh, get a weekly podcast up, um, hopefully each week, Thursday, latest Friday, there'll be a a different subject matter. Um, The goal is to obviously talk about the division. So if you're from a particular group or carrier or um, wherever you work, I would just ask that you listen in and find out more about what we do within the air transfer, you know, the air division. Um, And as we go forward, uh, you know, this could go anywhere we want it to go. It's just a choice that um, locals will make in their participation. We'll certainly invite them in to participate and tell us about what they all do. Okay. And aside from the scheduled podcast, I mean, if something pops up on the horizon, something new or timely that we need to get out, uh, will there be podcasts for that as well? Yeah. Uh, you know, we've done video before and, and, um, or at least I have, and I think the goal is now to do a special report out whenever certain things come up along the way, um, from the air division that we need to get out to the membership and we'll do it that, uh, along the way as much as we can, as, as much as needed. Sounds good. Uh, well, I will say from my perspective, we both have the looks for radio. So anyway, <laughs> thanks, that. thanks everyone for joining us today. And again, look for the next podcast coming soon. 